Hello, everyone. In addition to the weekly sermon that we upload to the podcast, I thought it would be great if we also added some B-sides. So often I finish teaching, I think, now that I've taught it, I see even more about this and I want to add, or there's something you couldn't quite fit in to that one message. Or people want to go deeper on a certain thing, or I'll get an email or a question or some sort of feedback. And yes, we can do that. I can tackle that. We can go a little deeper into that. So start looking for uh, little episodes that we'll start including called B-sides. In addition, I'm also going to periodically put up some previews where I start talking about some of my initial thoughts about the books that are coming up or the passages that are coming up so that as you read them uh, prior to the Sunday, you can have something you're looking for, start thinking about as well. And, and maybe that can sort of prepare the heart, the soil for the sermon that's coming up. Um, so also look for one on the Gospel of Matthew and hope you are enjoying your reading through that gospel. And now, my reflections, the B-sides of Leviticus. As you know, we just finished seven messages in Leviticus. And Leviticus is one of those books where you're, you have a hard time knowing how to teach it. Like, you know it's God's word, and it's important, and you look up all the facts, and everything that's going on, and you try your best to understand the text, and then you feel like you can explain it, but at the end of the day, you're left with this nagging question. What do we do with this book? How do we handle these obscure and strange laws that don't even seem to have any application whatsoever to our lives? And these passages where you read them and think, how is Pastor Brandon going to make this relevant? And so, to be honest, I had a lot of those moments, too, where I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, I understand it, but how am I going to help this passage fit into our lives? What does this mean for us now? Like, people went out of their way to come to church, they heard a message, which I spent hours preparing in Leviticus, and was this all just so that we could know more about an ancient culture thousands of years ago that somehow points to Jesus? Or is there inside all of that also something it has to say about how to live in our families with the people we work with, the people we love, the people we struggle with in this community? To that end, I worked hard to make sure that Leviticus had something to say now. Even despite that, we finished the book and I'm sitting here going, man, sometimes I feel like I missed the big point. Like, I did all this work to try to get it week by week, but then I sit here and say, as I reflect on it, yeah, there's one overarching message in this book. And that's what I would like to share. Sort of a B-sides, if you will, to Leviticus. The sermons were the A-side, and here's the B-side, the afterthoughts, the reflections, after it's been done. So here's what I've been thinking about regarding Leviticus. 
Leviticus wants us to be holy human. God wants us to be holy human. Now, there's a bit of a play on word there, because I am saying holy on one hand in the sense of fullness, robustness. We have this completion. God wants us to experience our humanity in its wholeness. But then on the other hand, I'm talking about holiness. That which Leviticus seems to point so much at. You shall therefore be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus is inviting us to experience how to live holy by being holy. Or how to have wholeness of life through holiness. This is the kind of life that Adam and Eve would have experienced in the Garden of Eden before they chose sin. This would be the kind of life that Jesus modeled on earth as a sinless human being, showing us the potential humans have when they're redeemed, which then leads to this is what humans can look like in the new heaven and new earth. Leviticus is helping us navigate how to live holy, how to have holy lives in an increasingly unholy world where people aren't living to the fullest, but are suffering through these shells, these husks of what they could be. Eugene Peterson writes this in his introduction to the book of Leviticus. Quote, Because the core of all living is God, and God is a holy God, we require much teaching and long training for living in response to God as he is and not as we want him to be. Leviticus is a detailed and meticulous preparation for living holy in a culture that doesn't have the faintest idea what holy is. The moment these people enter Canaan, they will be picking their way through a lethal minefield of gods and goddesses that are designated to appeal to our god fantasies, like give us what we want when we want it on our own terms. What these god fantasies in fact do is cripple or kill us. The first thing that strikes us as we read Leviticus in this light is that this holy God is actually present with us. And virtually every detail of our lives is affected by the presence of this holy God. Nothing in us, our relationships or environment, is left out. End quote. And that's why Leviticus has so many laws detailing even the little things. It doesn't just say, bring offerings. It tells you what kind of offering, how old, how it must look, and how you must offer it, and how it was to be killed, and how it was to be burnt, and under what circumstances it was to be brought, and bring this kind for this kind of offering, and that kind of offering for this kind of offering. All of these details. And then it goes into what to eat, 
don't eat this, eat this. Even, even the things you wouldn't even consider eating, like the gecko or the hoopo or uh, the bat or the vulture. Like, sorry, I'm not sure I really had that temptation before, but like Leviticus, God cares about every part of our life. Even to, look, when your skin looks like this, this is the procedure with the priest. This is how to bring the person back in when he's cleansed from a skin disease. So, God cares about all the little things because he wants us to have a whole life. Now, holy, sometimes uh, we think of it as being limited to halos and heaven, angels and God and saints. And it doesn't seem like a word that's appropriate for our daily lives. <laughs> totally get that. We're humans. And by definition, it would seem that like a human can't be holy. They're opposites. As opposite as heaven is from earth. But that's not actually what holy means. Holy simply means to be set Apart is to have a special use designated for a purpose. Leviticus wants to marry the holy and the human. That yes, in our messiness and in our seemingly unholiness, we can still live holy by making the choice to set ourselves apart for God. To set our relationships apart for God. To set our diets apart for God. To set our work apart for God. And as we learn to set these things aside for God and not for selfish gain and not for the other gods of our culture, but for Him, we're discovering what it really means to live as a whole human being Full of the life of God. Not just existence. Not just surviving, but thriving. It shouldn't be a coincidence then that the book of Leviticus concludes by giving us a list of things that will lead to cursing and what will lead to blessing. Leviticus wants to give us the life that God spoke into being at the original creation. That's what God did. He spoke creation into being, and then he also blessed his creation. Blessing is about the wholeness of life that God created us to have. So at the center of the book of Leviticus, at the center of this idea of how to live holy human, is chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. Now, atonement, if you might remember, is simply a fancy biblical word for bringing two things together. Atonement is at-one-ment. It's where God and humans can have partnership and connection they have union. It's where the holy and the unholy can find wholeness together. So Leviticus recognizes that there's this disconnection in life. 
And so it invites us through these offerings and through the priestly liturgies and through all these commands about cleanliness and uncleanliness, it slowly brings us to the center of the book. We're there in the Holy of Holies, the center of the tabernacle, in the center of Israel's camp, in the center of Leviticus, Leviticus, a book which is in the center of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Everything comes to the heart right here, the heart of the first five books, the heart of Leviticus, the heart of all of this stuff of life is atonement with God. It's this oneness, this union. And so when we have this connection, we're no longer unholy, but we're holy. And now life can be lived in its wholeness. So we see the offerings in the first seven chapters. God is telling us, look, I'm not asking you to give and give and give and give and to try to earn and earn and earn more and more and more favor with me. I'm telling you, this one offering is enough. You bring this and it's enough. I'm a God who is satisfied with your efforts. And then when we saw Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, uh, get zapped as they went somewhere they shouldn't go in the tabernacle, we're learning that God tells us, You don't have to put pressure on yourself to graduate to the deepest levels of holiness. Get there on your own time. I don't want you to burn out because that is not a whole way to live. And then in chapters 11 through 15, we see all of these thoughts about the body from what you eat to how you have childbirth to what you do with bodily fluids and skin diseases. And God is saying to us there that I love all of you, not just your soul, but your skin too. To live holy human is to recognize that even our skin, our bodies, our biology is holy. Then chapter 16, at one mint with God, the day of atonement. Then chapters 17 to 22, a lot of more of those lists of things and laws and considerations. And in the middle of that is love your neighbor as yourself. So yes, God is the one, the God of love who teaches us to love others. And he showed us that through Jesus. But at the same time, he says, don't diminish yourself by constantly giving yourself away, by constantly exhaling life into people and forgetting to inhale life into yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And part of being wholly human is to learn how to take care of yourself. If we cannot love ourselves as God loves us, then we cannot love others. People that are mean to others generally stem from a hatred of themselves. And that's usually because they don't understand how much God loves them. And then in chapters 23 to 25, we see the festivals, seven of them, all telling us when they're celebrating. We see that this God is leading us life through seasons and changes, but he's got it all ordered. And to be wholly human is, yes, to have the severity and the solemnness of worship, but also to have the fun and the festivities of celebration. God wants us to have fun. I titled that message, Party Like a Priest, uh, somewhat a little shocking, but it's, it's the idea that God is okay with us enjoying life 
but do so in a way that doesn't transgress the boundaries he gave us. Because he wants us to enjoy life so that we can live holy, not so that we can enjoy life miserably and continually turning to things like parties because we're miserable. No, no, no. Let it be the overflow out of wholeness because of our dedication to setting ourselves aside for God. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the book closes with a series of, if you guys don't listen to me, curses are going to come. But if you do listen to me, you will be blessed in the promised land. And that's what Leviticus is trying to get us to, is that place of blessing, that place of living holy, that promised land. Leviticus wants us to know how God designed us to live. So, my friends, be holy, be human, be holy human.